Hi, hello, and welcome to K Out and About, a podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is season one, still. Episode 19, The Jobs. The summer's over. Well, actually, the winter is coming now. It was back to uni, in my case, uh, back to school for some. And of course, that means back to season one and my random stories. Many moons have passed since the last episode. I know, I know. Many things have changed. Um, For one, uh, there is a puppy in the house now, and he will be soon featured on my Instagram feed, so you can see the cute ball of fluff there, or you can come for a visit and just cuddle the fluff yourself. In this episode, I will only shortly talk about uh, the work world in London, specifically. I will list uh, quickly where I was getting my money from, um, but most of all, I will tell you how the hell did I get back to the UK. Then in the following episodes, I will share, you know, some of the most ridiculous and weird things that happened to me at each one of the jobs and, you know, um, maybe outside of jobs as well, sort of culturally, uh, cultural things. Uh, And there are some stories to tell, believe me. So, my jobs, the jobs I had in London in chronological order were Kenizara House in Wimbledon, Anderson Tours, where I was a tour guide, Interlover International, and the last one was NRS Media. And I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say the names of the companies here, but who cares, I work there. So, um, I definitely felt like it was an experience of a career ladder, let's say. Each one of the jobs was better, uh, a better paid uh, job than, you know, than the one before. Um, it, so, it was quite, uh, quite interesting. Now, how did I get the job in London, the first one? We need to go back in time. Back to 2005, uh, when I defended my master, my master in German, and um, I moved to Vienna, partially because Belinda was looking for a flatmate, but I was also done with my studies. I needed new adventure and, you know, a new country to live. As I said in some earlier episodes, it was very tough to get a job there. Um, with all the permits I would need, um, the company would have to prove that, you know, there's no Austrian person with the same qualifications for that position. And when I was applying for, I don't know, a book salesperson in the bookstore, they just kept telling me I was overqualified. So after over 200 CVs sent, and in those days, mind you, it meant that most of them were printed and delivered in a nice portfolio, like with all the documents, uh, the you know the CV, the the letter, certificates, references, everything. After over two hundred of those, I turned to the UK. I was completely out of money um, at the time, and uh, Belinda covered my rent uh, for two months already. Belinda's mom, uh, Charlotte, was um, trying to help me. Uh, by asking uh, to help her out with some things around the house, like in the garden or with maybe some cleaning. Or if the caretaker um, couldn't come, I was to sort of help out to be the grandma's uh, companion person. And Belinda's grandma was trying to teach me how to do a spätzle and vanille kipferl. 
I never mastered those things, although not for lack of trying and not for, you know, not having a really good teacher. Anyway, for all those things, um, Lotte insisted to pay me per hour, explaining that, you know, she would have to pay a stranger otherwise. And at first I protested because, you know, it's not like I had a lot to do generally. But she insisted, and um, I was I was so short on money, um, I just stopped protesting, um, and that was my uh, that was my income for for a few months. So going back to my CVs, after having sent so many, I started doubting myself, and as a test, I have emailed a few applications to London and Ireland, and then the weirdest thing happened. Uh, a guy uh, from Austria, actually, uh, contacted me. Uh, he was from Austria, but he contacted me sort of from a hotel in London, uh, Wimbledon, about a receptionist position. Now, I had zero experience, but I lied on my CV. Yes, I did. I said I worked on reception in the Grand Canyon. Mainly, uh, I did lie be- because I thought they're not going to check it because, you know, it's a Grand Canyon. Who's going to call? Um, and second, well, I shared a room with a receptionist. You know, I should know how it works. <laughs> but then before I spoke to the receptionist person, you know, the, the reception manager, uh, I was to have face-to-face uh, interview in Austria in Tel Amse. Uh, and that was with the guy who contacted me. And Tel Amse is quite far away from Vienna, so I went the day before, stayed overnight at Belinda's parents' house, and then the next day went on um, to, to the town for the interview. Very bizarre conversation, very nice and very chilled. I was waiting for him to start, uh, you know, grilling, uh, grilling me about, you know, my experience and so on, but it never happened. Uh, at the end, he just gave me the map of London Underground and said, I'll be there by then. And I said, what do you mean? To which he replied that I had the job. Um, they just wanted him to meet me in person to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, and he was quite happy. So it was a yes. And uh, there will be someone calling me just to find out about my experience on reception. And that was it. I was so out of it on my way back. I mean, I couldn't believe the situation. It was, I mean, how can it be so easy after nine or ten months of nothing? Um, So I was so out of my head that I actually forgot my luggage on the train back to Vienna. Uh, But since it's Austria, um, I went back to the main station half an hour later and my little suitcase was there in the lost and found. Um, and later on, when the guy called, asked, and you know, asking me a few questions about the reception, I answered them. I mean, don't get me wrong, I have a huge respect for people working at reception because now I've done it. But it's not a rocket science. If you stayed uh, at a hotel, you know roughly um, how it works. Um, so it was kind of easy to pretend like I knew what I was talking about. And I think I named a system because, again, I said in my CV that I worked in the States at reception. So I thought if I name a system, whatever, um, he won't have a chance to check. And so the job was mine and I was to arrive in London in February. Now, I do have to tell you about two other jobs I kind of sort of got in the meantime as well, uh, because, uh, yeah, uh, 
both of them do crack me up uh, right now, looking back at the situation. Um, roughly, at, I mean, it was this roughly at the same time, I think it was January probably, um, I actually participated in a large recruitment for a new um, European airline that was looking for cabin crew. And when I was little, it was something I wanted to do. Like it was, it was a very glamorous job then. And again, when I was little, um, so I always wanted to try it out. A stewardess, um, you know, as it used to be called, um, lots of traveling, sightseeing, duty-free shopping, you know, all the glamour. And of course, you meet all the exotic people. You have to speak foreign languages. Well, all that kind of belonged to the past already by then. Um, the airline said they would put out money for training and then you could work back uh, and you would work it back, basically. But they also promised that they would always make sure you come home in the evening. And of course, that was not something I wanted to do. I wanted to stay the night somewhere else. Um, so I never followed through with uh, with the training or anything. And thank God, because the airline was Ryanair. That that's all I'm gonna say. Like you can you can comment it to me later. Now, when I got home uh, from Telamse, you know, with the forgotten suitcase, um, I also got a letter from a hotel in Ireland that I was accepted as a receptionist there. So again, imagine the whole situation: so many months of nothing, and then suddenly three jobs. Kind of yeah, there you go. The hotel in Ireland, however, was seasonal. And only opened from March to October. Plus, I kind of already said no to the. Uh, I already said yes to the to the one in Wimbledon. So uh, I felt kind of weird. So I that was a no. And get this: um, a year or two years later, I actually found myself in that hotel in Ireland. Total coincidence. I was on a road trip, and um, I was I drove one morning to the Cliffs of Moher. By the way, I've just put up some pictures on Instagram of uh, Cliffs of Moher. Uh, so you can have a look. Um, and there were some workers because they were building the visitor center that was sort of just before they um, they, they finished it. And I asked them if I could kind of get in. It was like seven or eight o'clock in the morning. So they haven't started working yet. And, you know, they, they let me in to take some pictures. Um, and, you know, we, we were chatting. So they're asking me what I'm doing. And, you know, I was just, well, I'm on a road trip, just driving around, um, finding interesting things about Ireland to see. And with some weird smiles on their faces, they told me I should visit this town nearby because there was a matchmaking festival happening at the moment. So I drove, you know, I thought it could be something funny. It was more scary than funny. The town, how, how do I put this um, without offending anybody? Uh, the town was full of overweight Americans with their mums or both parents probably with some Irish heritage, hoping to meet someone and, you know, get the bloodline some more Irish. Uh, the music blasting from, from loudspeakers all over town. It was some kind of a weird, cheesy mix of um, bed country music with some kind of dance halls from the 40s. Every country has that kind of music. Um, in, in German, they call it Schlager. Um, and I've already heard that in Sweden, and obviously we do have it in Poland as well. Um, and so when you hear that kind of music, you either stay as a joke, 
or maybe out of cultural interest because you never heard it before or you're kind of curious how different it is to your own country or you run as fast as you can and of course i ran there were there were definitely too many moms eyeing me and chatting me up get this they would actually chat me up on behalf of their sons and it was in that town on the outskirts, I decided to um, use a bathroom in a nice hotel. It was a road trip, and most of the time I was sleeping in my car, um, and, you know, I had to use every opportunity to kind of refresh and use proper facilities. And a bigger hotel is perfect for that, because people at reception don't pay that much attention to you, and especially if you walk in like you belong there, like you know the place. And when I was leaving, I realized the logo and the name looked so familiar. And only a few hours later, it hit me that it was the hotel I applied at. Um, And again, thank God I didn't accept the job as the matchmaking town of, apologies for um, pronunciation, Listonvarna, wasn't a good match for me. And so on the 11th of February, 2006, I found myself in Wimbledon. And I think it's now time for a little tea. So I'll be back in a second. All right, I'm back. Nothing better than an Earl Grey in the morning. Without milk, by the way. Like, I'm not a heretic. Um, Now, I know that times have changed. Especially, especially with Brexit. Um, But if you're ever thinking about moving to London... I have, you know, some thoughts I can share with you here, especially about the job market. Finding a job in London was, for a long time, and I think it still probably is, super easy. Finding a job you like, a little bit less easy. Finding the job of your dreams, nearly impossible. Very much depends what the job of your dream of your dreams is like if you're maybe a musician an actor or a banker uh, those are probably you then would have probably better chances although you know there's huge competition but you might have better chances but me with my degree in german philology the yeah london wasn't the place basically all you need is a decent cv And you wouldn't believe how many people actually don't know how to make a CV decent. In the UK, the rules are simple. You normally don't put a picture. This is how they recognize people from the continent, by the way. Not a line more than two pages. And you have to have something catchy, either in your hobbies or some kind of uh, maybe outside of work um, activities. Might not be your hobby, but maybe um, an association you you belong to or a club. You have to stand out basically for them to kind of get curious and want to talk a little bit more to you. You send it around. Um, There are also portals like Gumtree, Monster CV, CV Library, and many others that I don't remember right now. You get notified pretty quickly if you're through to the next stage or not. Um, Either a short email letting you know, or if it's a classy HR, they would give you a call to either say, oh, no, sorry, or they might invite you for an interview. With bigger firms, you might have a group interview, especially if they're looking for more than one candidate. Smaller companies would probably do uh, one-on-one. 
the whole process, at least in my experience, uh, was always rather swift. Um, you normally don't get, uh, don't wait much longer than, I don't know, maybe a few weeks from the first contact to the final answer, be it a, a yes or a no. Now, the kind of jobs, as I mentioned earlier, that's a different story. Hospitality industry, normally always looking for people. Restaurants, coffee shops, bars, pubs, hotels, etc., 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 there's a huge turnover there. So if you're willing to work hard and a lot, you'll find a job like that super quickly. A plus is obviously if you speak um, another language, uh, you know, than, than English. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll find it super quickly and you'll hate it as quickly as that as well because it is a hard work. Then, of course, you have jobs uh, with the council, um, like trash collection. And normally I probably wouldn't have mentioned these kinds of jobs, but I actually knew two guys who were doing it. It's a bit hard work, uh, generally paid okay at least um, some years ago, um, but taken over by what I call a Russian mafia, uh, meaning most of the employees were from that country, and if you were from somewhere else, it was difficult to, to get the, the good gigs, like, you know, maybe a little bit cleaner areas, because they, you know, they were keeping them for themselves. And again, I'm mentioning this job also because of some stories my friends told me. Some posh people in London are disgusting. They would look at you cleaning the street and just drop off stuff, you know, trash they had in, in their hand, just on the pavement right there in front of you to pick it up because it's your job. Um, some of them, when, you know, they go out with their dogs, they won't pick up the dog's shit. Because, oh, they see you come and expect you to sort it out for them. Because guess what? It's your job. And don't even get me started on the stuff uh, rich people throw away. And not just still functioning appliances, you know, uh, kitchen appliances or bathroom appliances. Uh, some clothes they throw away even have tags from the shops. And I, I just don't get it. On every single corner in London, there's a charity shop where you can just give it to them and they'll sell it and you know someone's going to get the money be it cancer research or whoever no they, they'd rather throw it away and I'll, I'll probably have a rant like that a little bit later on uh, but yeah I, I just had to mention um, these uh, and, and anyway going back to the different kinds of jobs call centers they always look for people who are willing to do customer service and sales over the phone. Normally, if the job says customer service, it does involve sales. It's just they kind of get more candidates they can choose from if it only says customer service. Usually, those jobs um, are on commission. Um, so you could get um, quite good money if, if you're good in selling over the phone. Um, there's also a fair share of admin jobs in, in, the, in the same companies. And here we can already enter the amounts of about 15 to 20 grand a year. Um, if you want more money, uh, then you would be looking at a different kind of uh, a job. And that might be a little bit trickier, depending a lot on your experience in education and what you actually want. Now, the good thing is that the companies... I think especially in London, it might be all over UK, but they do give people chances, as in they see your potential. They might not care 
what formal education you had or exactly, you know, they might not look for an exact match with your of your experience to what the company does because they can train you in-house. That's not a problem. They usually have a training department anyway. Um, so that's not the most important thing. They do look at you and think, does that person fit in within the company? Does that person fit in within the philosophy of what you know, or whatever values the company has? And it might be, you know, a huge pack of bullshit, but still, they do kind of give you um, opportunities, which is a huge plus. Um, but those opportunities are not only for you, they're also for hundred, uh, hundreds of other people fighting for the same position. So competition is big in London for the better paid jobs. But that also means you do get invited to quite a lot of interviews and you can practice being awesome at them. And then, as I mentioned, having something catchy in the CV gets you through the door. And then in, the, in London, a lot of times it's your personality that gets you the job. If you fit in, you fit in. Um, they're not that rigid as to, you know, looking exactly what you've done. I mean, they do look what you've done in your life, but they can draw their own conclusions. Okay, are you an interesting person? Are you a person that's flexible, adaptable, and so on and so forth? Um, so those are those are the pluses, pluses and minuses, really. And as good as the job market uh, in London may seem, the rest wasn't um, so straightforward, and I'll tell you more on that in many, many following episodes, uh, but also in the next one that will be titled The WTF. Thanks for listening, and until next time.